Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 149. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. You can check out our resources for school leaders at my website at williamdparker.com. This week, we're continuing a conversation on managing adult conflicts, part two with my co-host, Jen Schwanke, who is the author of You're the Principal, Now What? Strategies and Solutions for New School Leaders. And she's also the principal of Indian Run Elementary School in Dublin, Ohio. Welcome back, Jen. I hope you've had a fantastic week. And thanks for joining me again to talk this week with principals about issues that matter most to them. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm sure all the principals can relate to this feeling where it is spring and everything is going by so quickly. It is, our heels are on fire this time of year. Well, and it seems like this time of year too, doesn't everything just seem to start going really smoothly? (laughs) Everything. I haven't had a single problem to solve, especially not between adults. I'm joking. (laughs) So my wife and I were sitting at the table the other night with one of my daughters, who's a high school sophomore, and we were talking about how stressful the spring can be, especially May, as we get into into the springtime, closing out the school year. And my wife said to me, because she lived with a principal for, you know, decades, she said, well, I'm every May, I am convinced that our marriage is going to fall apart, (laughs) that the world is going to end, that this is not a good place to be any longer, that we've picked the wrong town to live in. Right. So she she said, May is always that time of year. She said, it's almost as stressful as December with all the Christmas things that have come up, that May can become so stressful that it's sometimes hard to keep perspective that all of these things that are happening create pressure and pressure creates conflicts. Principal Matters listeners, if you were listening last week, Jen and I, we jumped into first the the why. Why is it important for a school leader to be a mediator and a good conflict resolver? And then we began to jump a little bit into some of the strategies and scenarios for how to deal with parents and or adults in situations where they're not happy with something and you need to be that person that's managing those. So this week, Jen and I are going to dive right back into some of those suggestions on strategies for managing conversations with adults that can become difficult or ugly. And that's not just parents, is it, Jen? Sometimes that's the adults with whom we work in our buildings. It can be. It can be conflicts between teachers, between teams of teachers, between departments. It can be between parents in the neighborhood within each other or within parents and a teacher. Sometimes a a parent has made up their mind about a teacher or vice versa, and every little misstep ends up in your office. So the conflicts can be never ending and they can come from all sides. And so I want to begin by asking you to reflect first on something that I, I don't often hear principals talk about, Jen, but I really appreciated this point that I saw in your book for new principals, which is recognizing your own bias. Talk about that for a few minutes when it comes to being that person who's helping resolve conflicts. I've thought about that a lot, Will. I think about it every day because we all carry our bias around and we those biases are, are rooted in something that happened to us authentically and uh, maybe a long time ago, whatever, but we, we carry those biases with us. I'll just take myself for an example. I have a, a negative reaction when I feel that someone is being disingenuine or they're, they're trying to push me in a certain way. That's a bias that I have because I feel like... Like I 
have an ability to see broader perspectives and to bring different um, viewpoints to the table. And so if someone's trying to push me one way, I tend to block up, you know, put up a wall and, and not do as well as a mediator. There are biases that we have in a lot of things. It can be sadly on gender, on race, on socioeconomic status. We, we can sometimes lean way too far to one side or another, and it really can color our perspective as we mediate adult conflicts. So the first step is recognizing mm-hmm. them. You know, what makes you feel uncomfortable? What makes you feel anxious when you're mediating? What makes you scared? What makes you confident? Recognize those things and note them in yourself so that you can can be aware of them when when it's time to step in and be, you know, for lack of a better word, free from bias. That reminds me of something, Jen, that I actually was not aware of until this past summer. And I was at a conference where Dan Pink was speaking and Dan has several books. One of them that he wrote last year is on timing. And in his research, he's discovered that bias sometimes is unintended based on time, based on place. For instance, he looked specifically at probation judges who hand out harsher sentences, statistically harsher sentences in the afternoons than they do in the morning because they're more tired in the afternoon than they are in the morning. And as I sat there, I thought, oh my goodness, I was remembering in my own principal responsibilities, how often my decision might be harsher in the afternoon than it is in the morning when it comes to the way I deal with parents, the way I deal with kids. And so sometimes I think it's important to just take a step back for a second and kind of analyze where you are emotionally, where you are in your own biases, where you are in your own energy. And that might help to kind of gauge when you need to be having a conversation. We talked about last week, the importance of timing Sometimes you need to ask someone, you know, can we wait until tomorrow to have this conversation? Because right. I think we're both going to be in a better place to, to resolve this issue. Or just giving yourself 24 hours to just calm down, then pulling together. And so bias can be the way you feel about people. But sometimes bias can be those unintended natural things that happen that unless you recognize it, you don't even realize how it's influencing your decision. And in a principal's role, sometimes that timing can extend to repeat offenders, again, for lack of a better word, because if you have a parent that emails you three times a week or who stops in, you know, every single time there's an issue, you can get really, really tired of it and you can get dismissive and not as attentive to issues. And that's not to say that you should give 90% of your time to someone who is, you know, 1% of your school population. But it does all play into that bias and your your tendency to wear down on certain people or certain times of day. So let's talk about when we do, when we're aware of those biases, when we're aware of the importance of our own mindset, when we step into those meetings, let's let's talk a little bit about those conflicts and let's let's get strategic. Let's say we've got an adult who we're meeting with, maybe it's a teacher. And maybe we have teachers in our building who aren't getting along and that has created some really tense situations or ugly situations within the school that just have to be confronted and addressed. And we're talking with an adult, which is often harder than talking to students because students often are more open to correction than adults are. But we're talking to adults. What are some takeaways, Jen, for stepping into those tough adult conversations that might be helpful strategies for leading them to a place of understanding. Well, we talked last week about how it's really important to just be open to listening and to understanding their perspective. I am often just flummoxed by adults, particularly teachers or staff members that don't get along. I always think, well, why? What a terrible waste of energy. 
But the reason that conflict exists is because people care. And so you need to acknowledge that, that and acknowledge that there is an issue that's either hurtful or anger-inducing or anxiety-inducing or whatever that needs addressed. And sometimes it's easy for principals, I think, well, to, to let their ego be an inhibitor of the mediation. And by that, I mean, sometimes principals are like, well, I, you know, I have the master key. I've got to be the one that squashes this conflict. And squashing a conflict does not mean you're helping resolve it. You can say this will end. We will not tolerate this. It's unprofessional and move on. But the conflict is still going to fester and simmer and eventually explode. So, you know, letting your ego get out of the way and recognizing the role of the principal as someone who's solutions-based rather than a hammer looking for nails is hugely helpful and really does dissipate the level of anxiety or frustration in the room. That's important. And I think there's two dynamics that are happening there that are important to keep in mind too. One is making sure you're communicating effectively what is what needs to be said. Because sometimes we beat around the bush when it comes to telling someone, listen, let me just be straight with you. This is an unhealthy relationship that I'm seeing between you and this other teacher. This is not a professional way that people need to be behaving in a building. And it concerns me. And we need, we need right. to talk about why. So, so we're addressing on the first hand, the issue, not beating around the bush. But then on the second hand, on the flip side of that is keeping that other person's perspective in mind. Now you need to ask some clarifying questions. Why do you think this is happening? And so that's one of the the more difficult parts about managing adult conflicts is that you have to, first of all, address the truth or your perceived truth. And then second, try to understand their perspective and get a sense of what their feelings and, and their ideas are too. And I'm going to take a quick pass back to recognize your own bias. With staff, I'll admit it, I'll sometimes have a bias where I have a teacher, maybe a rock star teacher, wonderful with parents, no kid issues. Mm -hmm. And I will be so in love with this teacher and what she does for kids or he does for kids that I won't see perhaps the way this person treats other people. Or, you know, just little Mm -hmm. microaggressions that are happening that are alienating other staff members. So you've got to recognize sometimes that, you know, even your most favorite beloved teacher could be a culture killer in your building. And so you have Mm -hmm. to keep others' perspectives in mind. It can sometimes be exhausting to work with, with somebody else. And you've got to understand how that feels and how it can so quickly lead to adult conflicts that kill the culture in your school. Well, and sometimes I think it's important too to remember why we need correction and why it's okay to be that person who has to to resolve. I'm just going to tell a story on myself, Jen. In my early years as an assistant principal, and I was dealing with a lot of high school situations, sometimes criminal situations, sometimes violent situations, sometimes drugs and alcohol, sometimes really intense scenarios with, with young men or women. There were a couple of scenarios in my early years where I got angry enough that I was using profanity with kids. Right. And I thought at the moment, I thought at the moment, well, this is an appropriate situation because this is intense and and I'm confronting a situation or maybe the police are stepping in or whatever. And I had a, a another school leader, a superintendent who asked me to a meeting right. because- <laughs> And he just said point blank, well, you're doing a good job, but but you can't do that. You, yes. This is a behavior you can't do, even in the most intense situations. And you know what? That was a blind spot that I needed someone to say to me, yes. stop. Even though the rest of my job performance might have been good, that was an area where someone needed to be able to draw it to my attention, regardless of whether they liked me or not. 
and it was helpful. And so sometimes as, as school leaders, we may shy away from confronting people where the, the loving thing to do is to tell them the truth, that they need to stop a, a certain behavior because it's, it's poisoning your culture. I love that story, Will. I love that the that your supervisor had the courage to just say it like that. But also you knew, you knew he was right and you made corrections that have clearly carried throughout your career. Sometimes those blind spots, if somebody doesn't point them out, we will think that they're working. And, you know, I, I have some mm-hmm. teachers, I've said things like that before, you know, I'll even say, you know, you're, you're better than this. You don't, you don't need to treat a child like that. Mm-hmm. And they'll usually say, oh, you're right. Because emotions do create murky situations when they're not anticipated with teachers. And I think too, it probably helped that you knew he understood why you were doing that. It was in the heat of the moment. It was in the height of a tricky situation. So he knew what you felt. And I think that's important too, is to articulate what you know about how the the other person is feeling. That's true in any conflict. It's true in marriage and friendship and neighborhood relationships, but certainly true for principals when they're mediating between adults. You've got to recognize how the other side is feeling. And Will, you will giggle when I say this, because I think every principal has felt this, teachers being on time. Now, whether that's a fight that a principal takes on or not, it can be a tiny little seed that creates huge adult conflicts. So two teachers might not be getting along and you'll dig in and dig in, you know, why, why, why? Well, and, and then you'll find out, well, every day she's late. Every single day she's late. And that little seed can create so many different problems. So something that you as principal might be like, "Eh, well, yeah, but she, you know, runs the yearbook in the newspaper and coaches three sports. Maybe she's three minutes late every day. It can be something that creates other conflicts. So you have to understand really the root cause and why and how it creates deeper feeling. And I think that leads to the important point that your role, hopefully your role in resolving conflict is to be an ally is to step into whichever person you're dealing with, even if it's a confrontation or a correction, that that they believe and can sense that you're in this with them, not against them, but you're in it for them. Exactly. And when when people feel like they have somebody on their side, that feels so, you know, it's like such a relief. And it is possible to be on everyone's side. It really is. You can be everyone's ally. And that will help people feel like, okay, we can get to a solution. This is not going to end in a stalemate. And, you know, that leads to another thing that we we really should address too, Will, is identifying tactics people use when they bring a conflict to you or they're frustrated about something, angry about something, they will do all sorts of things to try to make you more of their ally than you are to the other person (laughs) to bring you over to their side. And that can be, you know, saying things like my whole team thinks this way, or I'm not the only one, just tactics that make it feel like it's a very lopsided controversy to bring you on their side. But a good mediator is an ally to all, and it really can be done. And just as much as you and I love to talk about the heart of leadership. You and I also understand that you have to have strategy in leadership. So let's let's go there for a minute in terms of identifying tactics, because no matter how great your heart is stepping into a situation, people are human and they're going to try to, to either diffuse the conversation. Uh, they're going to try to not accept responsibility. They're going to try to change the subject or they're going to try to not altered their behaviors. And so let's talk about that for just a little bit in terms of just some practical ways you as a school leader can manage those really difficult situations. And the first one I'm going to bring up is just keeping the conversation focused. 
if you've brought someone in for a conversation that you know is important, Jen, how can you keep that focused when there's a lot of strategies to try to derail the purpose of that meeting? Oh, there's so much there we could talk about. Well, because there are a lot of strategies people use, um, crying, getting angry, changing the subject, bringing in other issues that aren't related. Sometimes I will even make, I always have a, a pad of paper in front of me for notes or, or I'll put in the top corner of, a, of my paper, SF, stay focused. And so if we're mediating between two staff members or perhaps between a parent and a staff member, I will write that down on my paper as a reminder that if we start talking about something else or if the tears come out or the threats come out, I will literally say, okay, we need to stay focused on the issue here. So I think we're getting a little off track. So I'm just going to review what we've talked about and see if we can get back on track. Staying focused is is really the only fair way to effectively mediate between conflict because you can end up, you know, a 20-minute conversation could take three hours if you let it go into the wild, wild west of all the strategies people might bring to the table. So let's get nitty gritty. When you bring someone into your office and you're getting ready to have a tough adult conversations, you know, it's just like with a parent. If Same thing with teachers. You want to welcome them. You want to treat them with respect. You want to show them that you're glad that they're there. You want your office environment to be professional. And then you want something in front of you where you're taking notes and writing down the things that you're talking about to demonstrate that you care. And it helps you to yes. track what's going on, especially if there's more than one person in the room. There may be a lot of stories being told or right. some scenarios, that, that <laughs> scenarios being described. And so for me, always having my notes in front of me gave me an opportunity to write down important quotes or thoughts, or even to diagram, because I may have more than one person that I'm following theirs. And so then as the mediator, and you demonstrated this already, Jen, just being able to stop and say, okay, let me just make sure I understand the perspective here and staying focused. This is the issue that we're talking about. This is what, what was said in this situation. This is how it was responded to. Now let's talk about what the expectations are moving forward. And so having that those physical guidelines in place, having something there where you're demonstrating that you are tracking that conversation and then being able also to kind of articulate kind of the framework for where this conversation is going. I think that's important too. I've even before, I have even said, you know, I'm the one that has the lousy job of keeping us on track. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind us we have 35 minutes left or we have 25 or 15, whatever. I establish an end time. I insert my role right there into the group. And I'll say, my job is to keep us focused. My job is to keep our eye on the clock. My job is to review what has been said. So I'm going to do that now if it's okay with others. And I will maybe look at someone and say, is it okay if I paraphrase what I think that you were saying? And so I am establishing myself as the person who's willing to be the mediator. Part of that is articulating an end time to keep you to keep you focused and and knowing too, keeping in the back of your mind an exit strategy, whether it's a solution, obviously that's ideal. You want a solution to be reached, but an exit strategy can also be um, a specific end time, or it can be a listing of next steps. So, hey, we're going to need to get together again, mm-hmm. but until then, here is what we are going to do. And that strategy will help people know and remember the end, you know, the end game, really what the goal is. Right. And sometimes those exit strategies can be rehearsed ahead of time. You know, sometimes you're in situations where, you know, people are going to be long winded or that this is a meeting that needs to end by a certain period. And so simple things like standing up and, and announcing, I'm so glad we had this conversation and this is where we are today. 
Here's our next steps. I'm so glad we were able to, to get to this part of, of this conversation and walking them to the door. Sometimes you have to physically create those end strategies so that people know that there's an exit here too. I, I'm glad. I teach a graduate class and I always giggle at the end because students are masterful at those physical cues when they're done. The book gets closed, the laptop gets put in the bag, they stretch, they stand up mm-hmm. and principals can do those mm-hmm. too. You know, say, you know, put, rub the hands together and say, it has been such a productive meeting. I'm so glad you're here. And, <laughs> and you touched on this, Will, with ending with that personal touch, walking them to the door, thanking them for their time. And as you referenced earlier, maybe even say, I'm so sorry we had to have this this meeting today. I know it took you away from work, but I'm glad you were able to come. I feel so much better about this. It's a personal touch that that lets people leave the meeting feeling as though they were heard. Well, Jen, I want to say something too about articulating an end time. I think that's important. And this isn't just something that works for adults. It works for kids too, because most people do not want to be in a situation where they feel like they're being corrected or maybe they're being asked to change or maybe there's some emotional baggage that they're bringing to a meeting. And by providing them on the front end, how long this is going to last immediately provides them some control. And I think that's important because as leaders, we have to make sure that people feel like they're in control too. We're not the ones who are imposing all these things. We, everyone plays a part in the responsibility of where this meeting is going. And this works with, with students also. I know even with my own teenagers, I began to apply some of my principal tactics in my parenting, which would be, I'm in the car with my daughter or son, and there's something important that we need to talk about. And I might say, you know what, for the next 10 minutes, I'd just like to have an, an important conversation about something I've been noticing and set your timer if you want to, just for 10 minutes, let's talk about this. And when 10 minutes comes up, we're done. That way this conversation's over and I'm not going to keep harping on it. And what that's done in those relationships too, is it gives them a sense that, okay, I can handle 10 minutes or I can handle however long you set this, but they still have some control and they see an exit because this might be something where they don't want to hear you harping or lecturing or right. they, they get it. Exactly. You know, I get it. Okay. I get it. I, I don't need to hear it anymore. And so an and exit that, strategy, yeah. I think, provides that applies for kids when they're in their off in your office too for discipline, where you can say, you know what, you're going to sit here with me for five minutes and help me understand what happened. I also use it with teachers. If I'll go and have a tricky conversation, maybe I'll say, hey, can we meet for the last 15 minutes of your plan period? I know you'll have to go pick up your students at 10, but we need 15 minutes to work mm-hmm. this out. People like to know that the um, conversations or the tricky parts of their job will will eventually end, so they need. To know, they need to know that you're aware of that too, that, that this is not going to drag out forever. And, you know, you did mention that the end time, every now and then principals will run into, particularly with a parent who says, no, I w- we will sit here until we've worked this out. And you'll hear a parent say, perhaps you will not put an end time on a conversation about my child. And these are rare, but again, that's just a strategy that a parent might use where they're just going to wear everybody out till they get their way. And how I address those is I will say, well, actually this teacher needs to get back for her fourth period class. But if we aren't done by that time, we'll go ahead and take some notes and then find a way that we can get together again at a different time. Because some, you know, some parents right. do love marathon meetings and it's the, the principal's mm-hmm. job to make sure that we honor the time and respect the professionalism of the other people that, that may be dragged into the situation. And that leads, uh, just really quickly, well, it leads to backing, you know, having backup and knowing when to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Sometimes principals need to do that. I'm sure you have some experience with that. Sometimes you know you're getting ready to step into a scenario that might be volatile or that might need an exit strategy other than yourself. 
And so depending on the relationships that you have with your staff, maybe that secretary who's out there, you can have that conversation beforehand of, hey, I'm getting ready to step into a conversation that may not go well. And I may need you to step in at this time and let me know that my next appointment is here or that it's time for us to transition to whatever that assembly is that we're having. I may need another person to step in to create that backup exit strategy. Um, Or if it's going to be a situation where you're bringing in someone that maybe there's even a concern for safety, um, that you have someone else with you uh, in that conversation so that you're not the only person sitting in that room. And I think it's okay to articulate that too. I have at times when a parent is very volatile and wants to speak with me, I will say, if it's okay, I'm going to leave the door open and I'll just leave it right there. And Mm -hmm. what I'm saying there is, I'm going to need somebody else to be able to hear what we're talking about. I don't want a door closed where voices are raised and things are said that other people can't hear. An open door is a really good way to get somebody to calm down, as is asking for help, saying, like you said, you know, have a secretary or an assistant principal or a teacher knock on the door and say, excuse me, I, I need you for a moment. It's a way to, to give yourself kind of a, an eject button if needed. And um, it's perfectly okay if a principal doesn't feel safe or feels as though, there's going to be no resolution. It's okay to say, you know what, we're, we're going to go ahead and end this meeting now. I do feel like I understand your insight and we, we just need to step away for a little bit. That is perfectly within our rights, especially if we feel our safety is compromised. The last takeaway, Jen, I think is the importance of ending with a personal touch. The way that you end a meeting often will determine how that relationship carries on. And so just as important as it is to set the tone for a conversation, no matter how good or bad that conversation goes, I think it's important how you end it. And what are some suggestions you have on on ending with a personal touch? I had a terrible situation about six months ago with with a parent and it didn't, everybody walked away still frustrated. We did come resolution, but I said to the parent, she was very emotional and anxious and angry. And as she left, I said, you know what, is it okay if I call you tomorrow? And she looked a little surprised and said, well, sure. And I said, I just, I just want to check in and make sure that you're feeling okay. And I did. The next day I called her and I said, listen, I have nothing more to add to the conversation, but that was really hard. And I, I want to you to know that I I'm feeling this with you and I just wanted to check in. So that's a strategy too, is, is to bring that personal touch and let them know that you're not, you know, you're not the 20 minute bandit with a meeting. You're going to um, one and done. You, you'll follow through and that you do truly care about them. That's definitely true with teachers too. If you have a tricky meeting between staff members, if you send a text message that night saying, Hey, thinking of you, I know it was a tough day. It can really go a long way in, in helping humanize you to the people that you had to maybe say some hard things. It's important for people to know that that they matter. And so just like we appreciate it when someone pauses for a moment to just recognize, you know, the work that you do is hard and I appreciate it. It always warms my heart when people take that time. And I think it's important for us to be, to be the leader in that kind of conversation too. So as you're ending a conversation with a teacher or a parent or whoever it is that you just maybe helped manage conflict, that that last thing that you say to them is something with that sentiment of, listen, I I know you care a lot about your student and I do too. And I just want to thank you for taking time to come in today because I know that this is important to you. We may not have completely agreed, but I want you to know how much I appreciate and respect how much you care. Right. Those kinds of things go a long way, just like you're following up the next day with that phone call. Those things go a long way in creating the kind of atmosphere and culture where conflicts can happen, adults can disagree, but you as the mediator have done the best you can in trying to create resolution. Well, Jen, this has been another one of those conversations where we could go 
very, very deep and into more strategies, but, but principle matters listeners. I just want to encourage you. I know I, I have said this many times, but Jen's book, you're the principal now what strategies and solutions for new school leaders is such a treasure trove of great practical takeaways and scenarios for the kinds of conversations that were happening that we're talking about today. So I just, I can't recommend enough the resource that's, that you can find in Jen's book. And Jen is an ASCD author. You can find her book online at Amazon or at ASCD's website, or you can visit Jen's website too, if you want to see some of the current things that she's writing about or have access to her resources too. Jen, why don't you share um, how listeners can stay connected with you and the posts that you're doing on your own website? Thank you. Well, yes, they can follow me on Twitter at Jen Schwanke, but also I have a website. It's called theprincipletalks.com. And I just do some blogging there about some of the challenges that we face in real life as principals, just short little pieces of things I'm ruminating about that week. So uh, definitely look forward to connecting more with you. And I'm just appreciative of all principals that have tuned in today. Well, Principal Matters listeners, you may have questions or feedback for Jen or me as we're continuing the series on strategies for and solutions for new school leaders. And if you want to reach out by email, my email address is will at williamdparker.com. Feel free to shoot a question to us if you've got something that you would like us to address. Also, you can connect with me via Twitter at williamdp or Instagram at william underscore d underscore parker. Well, Jen Schwanke, thank you so much for co-hosting today and for this series of strategies and solutions that work for school leaders. Principal Matters listeners, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen, to learn, and to grow. Until next week, thanks for doing what matters. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check out all my posts at williamdparker.com.